Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. We're excited to continue our discussion as we learn together and ask questions about important medical issues. Today, we're going to ask why in medical research, the word inflammation has become the buzzword. Uh, Dr. Brent Bauer, MD in the Mayo Clinic Health Letter, in an article he entitled Buzzed on Inflammation, wrote these words. He said, inflammation is the new medical buzzword. It seems as though everyone is talking about it, especially the fact that inflammation appears to play a role in many chronic diseases. As we've heard that and listened to research, we have realized that there's so much truth to that. In fact, as a dental professional, we look at inflammation all day long as we look at inflamed gum tissues that are red and swollen, puffy, and easily bleed. That's inflammation in the mouth. But what we're realizing is that is really a reflection of inflammation that may be throughout the body that could be uh, affecting our cardiovascular system. And we think of inflammation coming from diabetes, which some have compared to being like shards of glass scraping the walls of your arteries all day and night. There's almost nothing worse to your health than the inflammation caused by that. And our poor Western diet is a source of inflammation through our pro-inflammatory diet. And then of course, smoking and toxins are very inflammatory. Stress in our society can create a release of stress hormones that's very inflammatory in nature. We hear about a lack of exercise as being a source of inflammation. Poor sleep can cause inflammation. And we see it all around us and talking with people who complain about sore muscles and sore joints. And well, Whit, I think you're absolutely right. Um, as a dental hygienist for over 40 years, we know that oral inflammation drives systemic inflammation. And I think patients through the years have sort of realized that, that, you know, inflammation is bad in my body. And one of the main things that patients have talked about and worked on is inflammatory diet, like trying to really avoid inflammatory foods. But what we know is they really haven't. The inflammation word has not been the buzzword in dentistry, particularly all these years. And so we're learning now that there are things, oral conditions that drive inflammation in the systemic as well. What are some of the main things that you uh, see in the mouth? Well, like you were talking about, we certainly see periodontal disease every day. Unfortunately, that's such, you know, such a high percentage of the population have some level of periodontal disease. But we also in dentistry are looking for an abscess tooth or the periodontal disease or even a restricted airway that can drive systemic inflammation. And when your dentist tells you you have an infected tooth that needs a root canal or you have periodontal disease that needs to be treated, the problem is your tooth and your gums um, may be infected and have inflammation caused by certain bacteria. So 
the consequence of not treating that and getting that under control is that you not only could lose teeth, but we know from science every day that um, that could drive vascular disease, including Alzheimer's, which everybody is so afraid of these days, um, and even some types of cancer. Well, I think as a hygienist, I think it's more of what our patient doesn't see and what we see underlining that, you know, it's, I think it's so easy for us to have, you know, a little blood in the sink or floss and a patient's like, yeah, well, my gums have always bled. It's like, we actually don't know what inflammation is, right? We don't know what chronic inflammation is because we haven't really defined it. It's such a silent process. And I think that as a hygienist, you know, convincing somebody, you know, like you're not getting oxygen. How's your sleep? Well, guess what? They don't feel it. It's like asking somebody, do you grind your teeth at night? Do you wake up gasping? You know, we ask patients all these things. Do you snore? Well, most times they can't answer because guess what? The inflammation is happening silently without them even knowing. So I think that's one of the things that I tend to see from my patients is even though I may see these early signs of inflammation or screen them and they test what I call positive, they are so unaware that this chronic process is going on. And as a care coordinator, I want to pull in Dr. Gina Pritchard. It's like as her care coordinator, this is what we're seeing all the time. You know, people don't feel cholesterol, you know, increasing. We don't feel the high blood pressure. We don't feel the insulin resistance. We don't feel the cancer cells growing right? We don't feel all these processes that take so long. And yet, that's what inflammation is. And I think, you know, really a mind shift around this whole, like chronic inflammation, I feel like, yeah, it's like saying, well, we tell people to do breast exams, we tell them to do neck exams, well, we're trying to feel something that honestly, it's been occurring for maybe 20 years in somebody that they really can't feel till it's, I say, too late. Such a good point, Laura. I would add to that, that, you know, just going back, you talked about defining inflammation. And a lot of us understand inflammation, for example, when we cut our hand, if we're slicing up tomatoes for supper or something, and we realize, oh, okay, the body's immune system is arising to the occasion to both seal this off so that I don't bleed to death and ensure that I don't get an infection. So when your immune system responds appropriately, that acute or immediate inflammation saves our lives. That's the good kind of inflammation. And if in six weeks that wound is still festering and looking terrible, you know that you've still got inflammation going on and a bigger problem. But this same process, as you've said, can occur in the body. We are invaded every day with things that can potentially kill us. Pathogens, bacteria, viruses, air pollution. And our body is responding to that constantly. So when the body's immune system responds appropriately with just the right dose, if you will, of inflammation, then the problem is taken care of. Our immune system is like our warriors, our soldiers within, this, within our body. But when that is allowed to go on and on and on because you just won't quit smoking or you won't quit driving through McDonald's or and whatever it is, you're not sleeping, then the body's trying to save your life, but you're chronically exposing your body to unnecessary inflammation. And over time, that's what causes these abnormal cells to arise and proliferate that leads to cancer. That's what causes inflammation in the brain that can lead to dementia. 
sort of like your soldiers or your warriors just gone wild uh, or with no not listening to any commands to dial it back and stop. Sometimes your body can't dial it back and stop, like I've said, because you've got these other issues, bleeding gums that you're ignoring uh, that just keep your inflammatory response revved up. So inflammation in that level destabilizes plaque in the arteries, leading to heart attack and stroke. And it certainly wrecks havoc, as I've mentioned, in the brain, leading to dementia and then um, can lead to cancer as well and a host of chronic diseases. It's interesting because there was a Time magazine cover that was entitled The Secret Killer, The Surprising Link Between Inflammation and Heart Attacks, Cancer, Alzheimer's, and Other Diseases. And the cover was printed in 2004. So we're talking about now almost 17 years ago, medically through research, it's been identified that chronic systemic body-wide inflammation is really a co-contributor, if not a primary contributor to all of these major chronic diseases that we see so prevalent. How come do you think it's taking so long for us as a population, as a public, to really be talking about this. I was just going to say that it's so great that we have uh, medical teams on the cutting edge that realize that there's some inflammation coming from the mouth that uh, we can help with control of that. And we certainly you know, need to work together with what you know, Dr. Gina is a medical professional and what we see every day in the dental office. Well, I have to say, I think, you know, I'm always the one kind of out here. I feel like because we train ourselves, whether it's through you know, doctors or parents or schooling or just our education, something we've read. I feel like, you know, we've kind of been trained this like trade-off, like we have an ill, go get a pill, right? It's like a very, what I call isolation. It's like, oh, I'm just going to treat this one thing and I'll be better. I'm just going to go to the doctor for the one thing. And I think that's very true of just even in dentistry, not just medicine, it doesn't matter what it is. We have, you know, people say, go to the specialist. If you think about that concept in a whole, it's like, that doesn't even make sense. Um, why aren't we collaborating, talking about, and I think that's why we're asking why, why does it take from that article, you know, all these years? And I'm going to say, yeah, because we have this like standard care, right? We have this process going on that it takes so long for things to become standard yet we've known about it for years. That's exactly right. I'm going to use mammography as an example. People, for example, wait until it's too not too late because we've said it's never too early and it's too late, but you wait until disease is found when there are some very powerful tests that you can perform to determine not only do you have inflammation, but are you headed towards disease? And I think since 2004, that's really one of the major pieces of information that's been missing. And one of the major reasons we started this Ask Why podcast, because people aren't asking the right questions or they're not finding the healthcare professionals that are can be trusted and that really take a prevention focus to give them the answers. So the reason that I bring that up is we're using the wrong measure for determining if we're sick or not, or if our inflammatory response is appropriate or not. Like you said, Laura, maybe we've just been trained to do things in a certain way because of our parents, because of 
going to the doctor, et cetera. But there are definitely tests you can do to understand if you have inflammation, understand if you're headed for disease. Just quickly, my example about mammography, our friends in the world of cancer prevention have done a great job at telling all of us we need to get a mammogram every year or every two years, whatever the latest guidelines are, and even to do self-tests at home. But we know now there are blood tests that can show you if you're headed for these diseases even earlier than it would show up on a mammogram, uh, show you if you have disease in the arteries before it would show up on a stress test or, or show up as a heart attack, for example. So I think just getting the education out there that there are additional tests you can do to actually know where you stand. And so also raising awareness, you said earlier, people just dismiss, okay, I've got a little bleeding of my gums, but I'm doing okay. No, we want to just stand up and yell. No, a little bit of bleeding is not okay. You need to know if that's appropriate inflammation. Guess what? It's not appropriate inflammation. If it goes on and on and on, it needs to be treated. So the medical community, I mean, has been exposed, including us, to inflammation being a very bad thing if it's chronic. And um, I've had some discussions with medical colleagues who will give this kind of response. Uh, Principle number one, people have a lot of bad habits. People eat poorly. People don't exercise. People smoke. People become obese. That leads to diabetes. That leads to cardiovascular risk and heart attacks. But principle number two is people don't change. So even though we may know some of these things, we're going to assume that people don't change. So principle number three is give them a prescription. And I'm afraid that that's pretty common. What do you all think? Oh my God, that makes me just like want to scream. (laughs) And I'm not saying I think they're all right. I think we can all put ourselves in not just one of those categories, probably all three, right? Because of desperation or maybe a stressful event in our lives. But I feel like give us a prescription for health. Give me a prescription if I'm lacking hormones. Give me the hormones. Give me a prescription if I'm lacking. We can talk about amino acids and proteins. Um, We call peptides that can totally change how I feel. It's like, don't give up on people on that area. Cause I feel like, right. Just writing synthetic medications that we make that also have such negative side effects. It's like, give me a prescription to eat fruit and vegetables for a week. Like, I think if we took that more seriously, just that like here, this is your prescription. I want you to eat only, you know, fruits and vegetables or grass fed, you know, beef with a salad the whole week. Call me back. I think we would see changes because people need to have, you know, I feel like you can't make somebody change, right? You can't make them want it, but meeting somebody where they are, the fact that, Hey, I did maybe walk in, you know, to get a pill and the pill you're giving me, as I say, a pill for a good of my own medicine. What is it by trying to tell me, hey, there's other solutions. But I think you're right, Dr. Witt. How many people just, it's like, I have to see so many people today and I'm just going to give up on you. You know, it's like, here's the easy way out. I'm a hygienist. I've done that. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and argue with somebody that wants to tell me my gums have bled my whole life. I could just give up on them and say, fine, keep bleeding your whole life. And guess what? I'm sitting there in my head saying, well, 50% of heart attacks are caused by an oral pathogen that you can't feel going into your bloodstream. 
but I don't, I want, I feel like we have to talk about that. We have to get that passion going and not give up on people, meet them where they are. And what change can you make or what conversation, what conversation can we have today? You know, because wherever they are in their life, I think it's just too easy to put them in one of those categories. And I think that really is the purpose of our mission in this podcast is to ask why things happen so that we can find out the answers of what we can do about it to make a difference. And as health professionals, we're committed to understanding that we can't judge people and what they will or will not be willing to do if they're informed. Our responsibility is to educate and inform and give people the opportunity to take control of their own health if they choose to. And as we're talking about today, that starts with understanding that inflammation is a big deal and is probably the centerpiece of the discussion of either health versus illness of wellness, you know, versus disease. And um, we want to find out all the factors that relate to that. So we can talk about them together as a group. And those listening can then talk about them with those that they influence and, and live with so that we can see a revolution begin. I guess, Dr. Gina, I'd love to hear your take on that. Or even Patty, it's like, being a care coordinator, I think we're faced with that every day that they come in just wanting that pill from you. Um, and that's okay. I guess that's why I don't want to be misheard. That's okay. Because sometimes we have to start there. Don't you feel Dr. Gina? It's like how to, you know, it's a process. Yes, I do agree. And I do think that in our wording before a patient ever comes to the medical practice, or the dental practice, uh, should focus on that of we're different because we're not just going to give you a prescription medication and say, we'll see you in three months or six months or call us if you have any problem. And that person can make a decision if this is the kind of practice they want to go to or not, right? The four of us on this call are not in traditional practices where we just want to treat disease. We want to stabilize disease and reverse disease and wherever possible, minimize any future effects of disease. And then we want to start as early as possible in young people to prevent them ever having a problem with disease in the future. And it is more of a detective type work. It does take more time. It takes more time in getting all of these tests and determining exactly what this individual needs. But the rewards are huge. So yes, I think it's a paradigm shift. We're trying to start or um, contribute to the revolution, as you said, Dr. Wilkerson. This uh, type of sick care, everybody's really tired of it. This current healthcare system we have of going to the doctor and not getting real answers or not getting any additional information beyond a prescription medication. I had a colleague tell me our uh, work in the clinic has just really become a, a glorified medication check. And that's true sometimes. I know that's how I felt as a patient years ago. And I hear that from patients in my clinic often. Which I think would be a great question. Sorry, Patty. Just like what was saying, it's like, ask, why can't I get off this medication? Because that may lead to a different answer or uh, awakening, a light bulb that maybe there is another path 
Well, I know we've learned as clinicians that the most important thing we can do for our patients to give them the best care is to listen to the patient. That's why we were trying to unleash the potential of our listeners to ask questions, ask why. Why do I have to have a root canal or why do I need a stent in my heart or why do, you know, why? Like go back to the, you know, a little child, why, why, why? So that you can get uh, to the bottom of what you really need to know. And as clinicians, we want to be very respectful of our patients and listen to what they want and give them the best care that way. On the next um, podcast, I'm going to address that on a personal level because I uh, was raised in a very healthy home and then developed some medical problems. And I was frustrated because I was having a hard time finding medical quote unquote experts who actually agreed with looking at a more complete health approach so-called hippie nutrition, for example, was, you know, the way it often was looked at where now we see that the doors are opening to understand that the body is very capable of doing marvelous and miraculous things if given the opportunity without being constantly bombarded with insults, which we're going to call inflammation in all of its forms. And so therefore, now it's very interesting to watch the field of integrative medicine, which is looking at the whole person, mind, emotions, uh, etc, as well as looking at, you know, just the chief complaint, and um, seeing that there's some really great potential there. So we're going to talk about that a lot more as we go forward. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on social media and you can find us at SY Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening and hope to see you on one of our next podcasts. In the meantime, ask why. 